This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Welcome to WTS Waikato, a radio show and podcast taking a look at the quirkier people, groups and interests in the region. I'm producer Gary Farrow. Heritage seeds, could they be the secret to a sustainable microeconomy? Michael Haler is a coordinator of both Te Puna Kai or Waikato and the Heritage Seed Garden at the Fairfield Project. So he joins us on this episode of WTS to help fill us in. Hi came to New Zealand about seven or eight years ago, I can't quite remember. Uh, I, uh, I have an education in horticulture, which I did in Germany. I did an apprenticeship as a uh, horticulturist and worked in the, in the, in the branch ever since. Um, and I came to New Zealand on a working holiday visa. And uh, <coughs> yes, yeah, so, so I started, I kept kept uh, working in New Zealand. I, I, I was working at Wintec for quite a while when I first arrived in New Zealand uh, in the horticultural department. And after my job finished there, um, really my interest and my, you know, I got naturally involved with what GoEco was doing at the time, the Waikato Environment Center. And uh, a position came available there and I started working uh, and taking on the job from someone else as the coordinator of Te Punakai Waikato, which is um, really a, a network of kai growing initiatives. So not all led by me, even though they call me the coordinator, but there's a lot of independent things happening in Te Punakai. But I'm sort of uh, trying to assist kai growing projects in the region and try to start some of them, some of the the ones like the Heritage Seed Garden is one that uh, that I really st- that I started and I'm maintaining, while some of the other ones like community house and community gardens is something I support. Really. Um, and also, uh, I try to run workshops all all in the uh, all to do with uh, growing kai and uh, increasing biodiversity and so on. Um, and yeah, so that's sort of how I got into it. Really, my interest over time working in horticulture came more and more towards uh, where does our food come from and uh, uh, you know how did people used to garden before you know before there were you know, garden centers and so on, supplying us with everything that we that we think we need. Uh, and yeah, my questions have led me you know, to, towards the exploration of those questions. And now I'm really interested in community-based uh, kai uh, co- uh, um, initiatives, and uh, yeah, the seed, the seed, heritage seed project is really one of those that I'm particularly uh, enthusiastic about because that's some one of my personal passions really, that, uh, and that I feel is important that we grow uh, that we grow uh, our own seeds locally. There's uh, more of a more of our conversations now circle around. The growing of food and uh, local food production, and uh, really, where does our food? A lot of people start to ask these questions: Where does our food come from? Uh, often, people are interested in organics, 
but I think that, that seeds is something that's a bit neglected in that conversation, really. Because for local food production, we really need something. We really need local seed production as well, because everything that's grown uh, has to come from seeds. Uh, where are they going to come from? Are we, you know, are we, do we, we want local grown food, but do we, do we want to rely on overseas seeds, for example? Uh, why not do the whole thing? Uh, that's sort of my, uh, sort of the message I want to bring along with this whole heritage seed project. So what are heritage seeds specifically? Uh, heritage seeds, it's, it's quite, quite interesting. So they're, they're, they're seeds, uh, they're, they're, a bit, they're a bit like a folk song, you know? They're not, they're not personally owned by, by anybody. There's, there's something that has been around and has been shared by people. Uh, they're seeds that have been, uh, uh, the word heritage sort of means uh, coming from you know, from the past, so handed down. Uh, they, they, there's no, heritage seeds can't be, uh, they, or they, they aren't patented by, by anybody, and they're sort of, they, they can, you can save the seeds yourself, and you know they're going to be true if you take the, you know, if you do to take the measures to do so. So while commercially available seed, uh, a lot of them have been hybridized. They should, you know, you can, you can find out, but if they are hybridized, which means crossed by companies and patented by their name, uh, often they don't produce uh, valuable or, or predictable offspring. So for, for local food production and seed production, it's really important to focus on heritage seeds, which can be saved by individuals and uh, then regrown by individuals, you know, sort of a closed loop that's that circles on the individual rather than companies. Um, and I like the analogy of you know being more things like uh, you know, nobody owns folk songs anymore. They're sort of everybody's property. Everybody can sing them. Everybody can copy them and whatever. Uh, but uh, it's something that gives gives us that, that ability. Uh, to take food growing in our own hands, really. That's that's where sort of the power of heritage seeds lies. And I'm particularly interested in heritage seeds from, you know, from local areas. Uh, you know, they, uh, they'd be, I mean, wherever I can get it, I'm interested in that. You know, the, the kind of seeds that have been grown and handed down by someone's grandma and grown in the area here, which has shown itself to be really uh successful in this area rather than you know importing seeds from portugal or california or whatever and trying to grow them here uh, uh yeah first i'd always try to look at for the for the heritage of our seeds that are from the heritage of this area really um and there's a lot of stories that come with it uh with this with these seeds you know this, the, which is quite interesting on how to how to grow them how people have grown them and uh you know, personal stories that come with it. So it's something quite interesting. It's like a book uh, that you can open. Um, so what instances of heritage seeds have you noticed in the Waikato? Um, no, in the Waikato. No, there's quite... I've, through this uh, project, I've sort of got in contact with certain individuals who have been saving their own seeds and know a bit about it and... Uh, and some some of these people have donated seeds that they uh, had for a long time, or have been given themselves. Um, 
So I'm uh, collecting these. Now, some of these are beans, and uh, beans is a typical one because they're very easy to save. So camo 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 is a great one. You know, it's that's the kind of thing that naturally made it made it uh, in the community and just circled around. A lot of it's the kind of thing that you know. Oh, here I have some seeds and I give them to your neighbors and so on. That's the kind of thing that naturally goes around. Um, and that's the kind of stories I hear from the people that have been doing this for a long time. You know, it's just a, it's a, a free thing. Um, and a lot of these stories come together with a particular flavor of the food or a particular family story. Often, uh, uh, often their seeds have been carried by people from by, through their travels. Sometimes they carry on a boat with people that migrated here from Europe. Um, so there's uh, yeah, a lot of interesting stories around these things. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's also new things that are coming out of this. Um, something that I think is worth rediscovering and playing around with. Um, yeah. Have heritage seeds had to be grown and nurtured and raised? in a situation that is a bit more contained so that they can't inadvertently get hybridized with other plants of the same species. Well, that's, that's a good point. And that's something I've been trying to address when, uh, in, the, in some of the seed saving workshops I've been running and also around the seed garden, really. The seed garden is situated in an area at the uh, uh, Fairfield Community Garden behind Fairfield College. Um, called the Kuku Taruhe uh, Community Garden, uh, and it's set away from the from the from the rest of the allotments, really out of particularly that reason that some in an area where a lot of people grow their own vegetables, there will be lots of different kind of pumpkins, and there will be lots of different kind of corn, and so a lot of these things will crossbreed. Um, and in order to keep certain things true to type. Um, you need to have them uh, slightly away or isolated, but that's but it's quite important to 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 uh, to learn a bit about the reproductive methods of plants. So some plants need 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 uh, bees to pollinate them, or the wind, and some don't need that at all. Some some are very easily cross pollinated, and some aren't. And I was mentioning beans, for example. Beans, uh, they, they, there's not much chance that they cross with other beans unless you really do that by hand or put them really, really, really close together. So they're easily saved through. While things like pumpkins and cabbages and kale and so on, and carrots, you really need to keep them away from uh, other, other varieties, especially hybridized seed, seeds. Uh, and wild wild forms of the same vegetable. Carrots are known to crossbreed with wild with the wild carrot, which is a very common weed. Um, but so I'm trying to I'm trying to focus on things that are easy to save at the moment, where I don't really have to be there all the time and watch that the bees and get at the flowers and so on. But it is something one has to keep in mind. You know. Um, and one might naturally choose to cross some heritage varieties with each other just to, uh, you know, enrich the genetical pool of that variety. Uh, but one should be particularly uh, conscious of, of what of that process, so don't so one doesn't 
crossed with hybridized or commercially commercial seeds, um, as that can uh, introduce a lot of unpredictability, which is really what if you save seed, you want a little bit of predictability. Yeah, um, I suppose it would be. I mean, it makes heritage plants grown from heritage seeds are even more sacred because they have been looked after very much and given their own uh, space in a lot of cases. Um, whereas some other plants um, and indeed some heritage seeds may grow better with companion plants. There are certain species that uh, create a biodiversity and different uh, chemicals in the soil uh, natural chemicals that uh, promote the growth of certain plants aren't there well that's right i mean a lot of these heritage seeds have been they have evolved and have been grown on a on a much smaller scale than a lot of our commercial vegetables they're from a they uh, over the hundreds of years Really, a lot of the hybridized seeds and so on came with the, 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 the industrial revolution and new kinds of farming and so on, where a lot of new varieties have appeared that can be grown on a huge scale, one of kind of situation, machine harvested uh, tomatoes, are particularly known that the varieties are they are commercially grown. Uh, they're grown so that they, they don't bruise easily. They're not particularly grown for their flavor, but they're grown so they can be machine harvested. You know, they're, they're more hardy being chucked around. And uh, and often we uh, we lose traits as flavor or storage capacity or, or, or just disease resistance because a lot of the new varieties aren't as good in the effect. They require you to spray them and they, uh, you know, companion planting doesn't come into a monoculture kind of uh, uh, situation where hundreds of thousands of plants are grown under glass or something like that. Uh, so a lot of heritage vegetables have fallen out of our sight because uh, because of really the agricultural evolution, uh, revolution uh, in everything to be mechanized. So uh, a lot of the heritage seeds, from what I found anyway, they, they really invite themselves to be grown on a small, smaller scale. Uh, you know, with people looking after them and hand-picking them and eating them as they get ripe and, um, and things like that. But as you say, yeah, companion planting, they often invite themselves much better to that kind of thing and to inviting biodiversity too. Do you think growing heritage seeds then there's a chance of getting uh, more tasty and more t nutritious uh, plants? Oh, certainly, yes, yeah. There's, in that, within that, that heritage seed stock, which there, there's so much to discover, really, much more than, you know, when you go to Bunnings or to, to, to Pack and Safe or whatever, and you see these boxes of seedlings, that is really only a fraction of the vegetables we could be eating. And even the things that we buy at the supermarket, most most things in the supermarket are only made out of uh, you know, about a dozen dozen vegetables that were you know that are turned into so many different things: soybeans, corn, rice, wheat. Uh, you know, there's, there's really so much we could be eating. Uh, but as I say, it, all, a lot of these things invite themselves to be grown on a much smaller scale. 
but to a much more much bigger benefit to the individual and the communities really um, are there gardeners throughout the Waikato who you um, work with who are growing heritage seeds um, to keep the uh, the lines going? Um, there, there's some there's some individuals that I know of that are doing you know they that people in their own backyards and their own little uh, gardens that are doing this kind of thing. I'm not too much aware of anybody doing that on a on a you know, community-based scale or even commercial scale in this area, which was another reason why I was particularly interested in starting this Heritage Seed Initiative here uh, in order to raise awareness about that. Because I think it could be tremendously uh, successful uh, little seed growing initiatives or pockets of seed growers around the Waikato growing growing seeds and distributing them. Uh, I mean... Even even to have a small business, really. I mean, uh, selling seeds. I think that'd be a great a great thing to be be able to do, just to make a lot of these things available again and keeping them alive. And once you got them, that's the cool thing about uh, heritage seeds. Is once you got them, uh, you can save them. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to set, buy them every year. Which uh, is why there was a huge push. Uh, I think a few decades ago, in seventies or sixties or whatever, there was a huge push on patenting a lot of the heritage seeds. But there was a lot of people standing up against that because once it's patented, you have to pay for it. Well, you know, now it's really once we once they're in the community and people know how to save them, there should be you know there should be more than enough, and that means there's enough future food for people to grow. We find ourselves talking about heritage seeds less so as a, a hobby or a passion, although that is part of it, but it's also very practical as well. It's basically creating the foundation of a micro-economy in our communities um, here in Kirikiriroa, Hamilton and the Waikato, as well as um, around the rest of the world, isn't it? Basically, it's a way communities can sustain themselves and generate their own product. Oh yes, certainly, yeah, yeah. It's quite. That's that's really true. That's because it's a really basic uh, uh, thing that's that's uh, that's that can enable us to do uh, to to create our own little food economy. Yeah, that's right. It's an essential part of that, uh, and it's as you say. I think it's extremely practical to do that. Uh, yeah, it, it, there's a there's a fun part about it, and it's. You know, it's quite exciting and so on, but it's extremely practical to do this. Uh, if we think about all the, I mean, growing your own food, I think a lot of people start to understand the benefit of it. Uh, the food miles, the, the carbon footprint of growing, of eating, you know, machine, machines to harvest everything and uh, fossil fuels. Uh, now we can even re- reduce that further, that for, uh, that carbon footprint by by growing you know seeds, and you can do that re- regeneratively as well. Uh, so, <clears throat> um, yeah, we can bring it even closer to home. Really, I think that's that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and uh, yeah, there's there's a lot more to discover about uh, to discover about this. I think it brings people together also. I think that's been another benefit, really. But I think that's, that's naturally brings people together as they share these things. Uh, you know, 
end. I remember last during the last year's lockdown. I think so, uh, you might remember too. There was a surge on seeds. Uh, people trying to buy seeds for their, uh, and very quickly seed companies couldn't keep up with the demand. King seeds and so on. And I think that that really has shown that 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 also the supply chain of seeds is so easily disrupted. Just like any of our overseas supply chains, there's there, anything can disrupt the the, uh, the supply chains. Now, as we see in COVID, can can easily do that, but anything can. So that's that's really another safeguard for future changes to have these seeds around. You know. They're in the community floating around. Now, if something happens, we can't get access to food for whatever reason. Now, uh, we got a community safeguard there. A bit of, it's, a, it's, a, it's a type of security as well, like a little bank account that you have stacked away somewhere, uh, which helps you when you need it. In that light, do you think it's important that people have their home agricultural operations moving into the future? Um, you mean like backyard gardens and so on? Mm. Or, uh, I, th- I think so. At least uh, not everyone has to do it, um, I think, but uh, at least uh, there needs to be some people who really, you know, that are more into it than others. Because I've seen that one, you know, one, one individual or a small group of individuals can easily grow a lot of food for, to supply other people. So not everybody has to do it. But I think that's, that has to be the way forward, really. That a lot of our things have to come closer to home. We've got to you know, engage with the supply chains of everything that we consume. I think that that's just something that's part of our responsibility you know, living on this planet, that we get in touch with, with the supply chains of the things that we demand. Um, and it, you know, we, we, get, we will be forced to do that, I think, sort of that we interact with the things and take responsibility for the things we consume. And that's saving seeds for me personally, that just has been one way of doing that. I think uh, getting in touch with the things that I consume and trying to take a bit of stewardship on some of these things. On that note, Michael, just lastly, would you like to share with the listeners how they could get involved into the Fairfield project or find out more about heritage seed growing? Um, yeah, it's been a bit, uh, yeah, it's been a bit difficult with the, with the lockdowns and everything. Um, usually I, I used to run a, uh, well, probably will do again once we go down in levels. Um, I, I'm usually there once at the Heritage Seed Garden once a week doing a session there, just working, uh, do it a bit as a very relaxed workshop around the, uh, around the topic, uh, there was uh, usually it used to be on Tuesdays, ten to twelve, which was a bit of an inconvenient time, really, for people. I, I understand uh, during the week and uh, in the morning. Uh, and then I, I run, I try to run regular workshops on the matter at Coeco. They're usually advertised through uh, uh, social media and so on. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's so that's my part on it. Um, there's a lot of literature one can one can get into. Um, uh, around around the matter, and I encourage people to do so. Um, now, the Heritage Seed Garden. If you keep an eye out on what Coeco is doing, really, we're, we're trying to get get some of the get people involved in the project, but also I try to 
if anybody wants to set up something similar, I invite them to to, to you know send me a message or uh, yeah, an email would be best or something. I'll contact you, and I'm happy to once things sort of settle down and open up again. I'm happy to come along and uh, guide someone through it that's interested in setting something like that up. Um, and that would be really something uh, I would like to offer. Um, and uh, even even share some of the seeds, you know, and uh, to share some of the experiences around them and how, share the knowledge of how to save them and so on. Thanks to Michael Haler, The Fairfield Project, Go Eco and The Heritage Seeds for being the subjects of this episode of WTS Waikato. If you liked what you heard in this episode of WTS Waikato, you can like the show on Facebook or find it wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, stay safe and be kind. Thanks to Free FM, the Community Access Media Alliance and New Zealand On Air for making this show happen. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.